Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library. Hi, chip, chip, cheerio, and all that. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, I should have done it with a British accent at the start, then, is what you're saying. That's right. Hello, Jeff. I believe you were about to say hello to I, me. I, I was. And then we're, you went a new direction. Mm, we are well, always, well, we're always improving. We're always just on top yes. of it. We're, we're always trying to do something. Just, just, just riffing, just, just off the cuff. I don't know if anybody knows this, but that's pretty much what the entire podcast is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what? I script everything I say. Wow. Then I'm the world's greatest improver because I am able to play off a script, sir. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, welcome yes. back, everybody. As welcome, Jeff everybody. said, I am, and then he didn't say my name. Oh, TC. yes. <laughs> I was kind of hoping maybe you'd fill in your name. Um, <laughs> in all fairness, no one said my name yet, so. I, I've said your name multiple times. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. See, that was Jeff. not part of the script, TC. That, see, now <laughs> I, can't, I, can't do, I, I can't do this. I can't work in this sort of environment. This is just too mm-hmm. hard for me. Mm-hmm. All right, will so you leave? Sorry. Anyways, Go ahead, I'm, just okay, walk away. So just going to hope everybody has you a know, good time. This, this, <laughs> is not, this is not the cohesive partnership that what? we should be. <laughs> sorry, what was that? I'm walking out the door, TC. You know, Jeff, I thought we had a whole like Sherlock and whole uh, Sherlock and Watson thing going, but uh, can I be Holmes? <laughs> I'm Sherlock and you're I'm Holmes. Holmes. <laughs> the Adventures of Sherlock and Holmes. How is that not a thing? I mean, that's it's what probably, I really. It's probably, it's probably a thing. thing. It's probably wow, a thing. Well, we that's have, a great segue, TC, into. We are off the rails real quick here. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. We're totally on the rails for mm-hmm. this week's episode, which you gave a great segue into. Thank you very much. See, this is why we're, <laughs> we're riffing. We're just going with this. Only pew, a pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Plenty of gunshots. Uh, <laughs> no, so this week's episode, TC, mm-hmm. we are watching, as you usually said in the past, if you have clicked on this episode and completely <laughs> in all ignorance refused to look at what the title of this episode was called. We watched the 1986 movie, The Mm. Great Mouse Detective. Basil of Baker Street. Yes, which is what what, that's what the, the, the book is based on. Is called correct? Yes, and and what they wanted, the, and what the animators wanted to call yep. the movie. Yep, and we'll I know. Get, yeah, we'll we'll, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, it's it's so funny because I was reading over some of the notes uh, left on today on the, the post from earlier today at the time we're recording this, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely one of the, the the comments I had already in my notes because I'm like, oh, I want to bring this up regarding the title <laughs> of this movie, and yeah, yeah, thanks Zach. Zach just kind of beat me to the punch of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, so the Great Mouse Detective TC, had you yes. seen this? Have you seen this one? I could not remember. Yes. Okay. I, I have seen this one. As a matter of fact, I, I've been looking forward to sharing this story. This is a small anecdote, but it's something that, uh, that it's a special moment for me. I can remember seeing this in theaters. Ooh. I was four years old. <laughs> and, and I can clearly remember my dad taking me at four years old, my sister who was three, and my brother who was six. 
to Market Square Cinema in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It was the it was the only movie theater in town when we were younger. Mm-hmm. We went to the we I remember going in. I remember being in the big theater that the like their big screen, which probably had a hundred seats. <laughs> and, oh, I'm I'm from a smaller town. Oh yes, I wish and, that was and, a giant theater. We had like a couple of those in in my yeah, hometown yeah. too. So but you big and, theaters. I remember we showed up late. <laughs> like just a few minutes late, so the, the 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 movie itself had already started. I was gonna say back in the '80s, when you showed up to a movie late, you missed the first ten minutes of the film. <laughs> Nowadays, you show up late, and we're not even halfway through the commercials before the trailers start. <laughs> True, there's usually about twenty minutes on a new movie of previews. Exactly, but I I can remember going there. I can remember sitting down, being in the theater. I don't remember the movie itself or the experience of, of actually watching the film, but I very clearly can remember my dad taking to us taking us there. Three toddlers, what a brave man, huh? <laughs> that I, man I, has guts. <laughs> I, I brought this up to my dad a, a few years ago when uh at, maybe seven six, seven years ago when I watched this of most recent before today. I that memory came flooding back, so I mentioned it to him, and he said, "Yeah, he he remembers it. He remembers that we he we didn't have to leave the movie at all early. <laughs> there were no emergencies. There were no no uh, no. We weren't little brats. We were just well behaved, and we watched the whole thing. No hissy fists. No nothing like that. No, That's cool. No, no. you were yep. very good children. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I I distinctly remember that moment, and I have seen the movie again since, which was like I just mentioned a few years ago, and now I've watched it again today." That's cool. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and and that's just a special moment because Disney was so important to me growing up. The, the Disney VHS is the uh, I mentioned it during Sword in the Stone. That was the movie my grandpa would throw in, just shut us up. <laughs> and and, Damn, and, kids. and and I grew up wanting to work for Disney, wanted to, wanting to animate for Disney, and um, even even reaching the point of fulfilling a lifelong dream of being interviewed at the animation studio when I when I moved to California, and. Uh, so to have that memory so clearly in my mind, that that's very special to me. So it was, it was just something I wanted to share with you guys. So, well, I'm, so, I'm, I'm thank yeah. you for sharing. That is that is yeah. great. And that is all the time we have for this week, everybody. <laughs> so we'll join you well, next Jeff, week for the. <laughs> if, if I'm right, you you didn't. You hadn't seen this before. Did something, did it, had you, um, did anything pop out and you go, wait, maybe I have. So the weird thing about it is I, I have this very faint memory. I think we watched this in elementary school. Okay, I, one I, of those rainy day, just yeah, shut up the kids movies. just shut up the kids, and it's safe, there's nothing scary about it, we don't need a permission slip, so here, just put this on, okay? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like I feel like I feel like we did, but still, going into this movie, I had no idea what was going to happen. You, you making the comment last week about it being a Sherlock Holmes story... Mm-hmm. Uh, was actually news to me. I did oh, not know that. I am I am disappointed that I spoiled that for oh, you. Oh no no because because the thing was is that I I'd kind of forgotten about it and then once it uh, once the once the movie started and it's like oh it's London oh it's late eighteen hundreds and the little girl mouse is looking for Baker Street I went okay that's what this okay. movie is okay okay it is a Sherlock okay. Holmes so I, I'm okay with this um, <laughs> it's actually it's fun because what what see I I liked this I liked. I kind of like this this world thing. We saw a little bit of this during uh, the rescuers, mm-hmm. and I like that there's you know in our world there's this tiny little like 
mouse size version of everything. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I like that this is just like the rescuers. And to the point where my own personal theory, I didn't look up any theories, but my personal theory is that this is in the same timeline world as the rescuers. Yes, yes. I, someone commented on the on the Facebook thread about this and I, and I actually got a couple tweets about it as well. So more than one person asked me about asked asked us about it if we if we did think that this this would be more for our theory sections, but mm-hmm. you since you brought it up, oh Absolutely, this falls into the rescuers realm, um, I, and I, I think it falls into Cinderella. If you want to go further into the past, to the way the mice are in Cinderella, okay, and yep. if then progressing through time, you get something like the rescuers and this movie, Great Mouse Detective, and even Dumbo, because Timothy the mouse is wearing a little conductor's outfit. That's like he's, true. He though that's way out in the boonies of America. It still feels like the same sort of rodents that we would find in this world, in the rescuer's world. Now, just for fun, um, I, it almost now I'm, now I'm starting to question when Dumbo actually was supposed to take place. Because in the toy shop, there is a little Dumbo yes. toy. Yeah, so uh, that actually helped reinforce, like, well, Dum- maybe Dumbo's famous at this point. <laughs> right, right. Because like, there was never, I, I didn't really gather any kind of, okay, now we're just making connections. This is what we're doing. <laughs> you guys, you guys, this is episode 26. You've all been around long enough. You know, this is what TC and I do. Um, <laughs> just without recording. Now you're just get, you're getting to hear it. Yeah, but like, yeah. uh, but like, I, 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 there was never, I didn't really get any kind of sense with Dumbo as to what time it took place. I kind of assumed it was like the 30s. You know, the yeah, 20s yeah, and the 30s-ish. There's steam, steam engines and the popularity of Barnum and Bailey's, like the Ringling Brothers era. You would, you would, and it, it would be, I would put it near the Depression era, probably the, the Dust Bowl era. Right. So the, Dumbo would take place after uh, Basil, uh, after the Great Mouse Detective. Right. But who's not to say that, uh, that the little hat and clown face makeup of a Dumbo-like elephant wasn't just superimposed upon the famous little elephant that, uh, they're like, ah, hey, the big dumb ear elephant looks like that toy music box exactly. that my, uh, my grandpa got from London. Now, exactly. this is, <laughs> we're totally stretching here. That I don't know. Clearly... I think this is, just, this is just makes as much sense as a tiny little world run by rats. Okay, you know what? <laughs> Did you just say rats? Ah! Uh, uh, I'm a gonna, mouse! TC's gonna turn into Vincent Price and feed into <laughs> a giant cat. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, so seeing as this was is your first true experience in watching mm-hmm. this movie, uh, let's let's talk about it. I mean, what did what did you, what did you think? What did you enjoy it? Uh, I mean, that this is what we're here to talk about, Jeff. Oh, what oh. you think of this movie? Oh, oh, it's all me. Oh no, <laughs> no, it's too much pressure. So Do actually, <laughs> I, I really expected you to get up and walk away again. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't sitting comfortably and in a position mm-hmm. that I actually I'm kind of okay with right now, I would have totally gotten up and walked away again. <laughs> It's a good thing my headphones cord is quite long, actually. I got pretty far away from my... Con- <laughs> I'm leaving. My, I'm leaving. Door just shuts and closes. And then it's just me talking to my neighbor for 20 minutes because I can't come back into my apartment that soon. Got to do the bit. Got to do the bit, guys. Got to do the commit. bit. Commit. Got to commit to the bit. Anyways. No, no. So so I... Um, this movie was this movie was very enjoyable. I, I, I had fun watching it because once I got in... Into the mindset of like, okay, this is a Sherlock Holmes mystery. I grew up liking kind of the whole mysteries. I watched a lot of like cop dramas mm-hmm. uh, with my parents, like, but mm-hmm. they weren't modern. Like, it wasn't Law and Order and all those. It was, no, it, was like, it was, it was like Col- Matlock, yeah, like Matlock. Oh, Columbo. And Col- we watched a lot of Columbo back in the day. <laughs> cop Rock. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Please bring up <laughs> Cop Rock. There you go. I like my, I like my, uh, my, my mysteries to have a nice level of musicality to them, if I could. Um, <laughs> 
No, but uh, no. So like we watched a lot of those shows. So I, there's I have a, I have a special love for a mystery. Like mm-hmm. I like mysteries. We watched Diagnosis Murder. That was oh, that geez. was the that was the modern detective show we watched. Dick Van Dyke Dick is Dick Van Dyke and his son <laughs> acting. Oh man, brilliant! I I I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes and the Holmes isms. Hard word to say that are projected upon a lot of of characters in in pop culture throughout pop culture but batman is a, a an analog for sherlock holmes in a lot of respects uh, spock from star trek is an analog in i mean he even quotes um sherlock holmes in in one of the star trek films like, an ancient ancestor of mine's and he, it's the Occam, <laughs> occam's razor uh, theory so i i have i and i also grew up watching um, mystery type television series in fact i think that the great mouse detective is a could and should have been a really great pilot. Oh yeah, to a series. I would because I I know how well a Sherlock Holmes series can work, mm-hmm. especially when you skew it. Because if you look at BBC's Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, current Sherlock Holmes, that is a modernized version of the classic Holmes. It's one of the most accurate portrayals of Holmes of of recent of put to, that's ever been put to screen. Yeah, and to 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 play the character into a new world and still work with the tropes and whatnot. Basil is a perfect Sherlock Holmes. The The world is so ripe to explore, particularly because we've proven by the fact that we're returning to a world of mice existing in the human world. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and, and the thing is, is that even, even with that being the case, even though they are mice mm-hmm. and it's not a world, inf- well, I guess it kind of is a world infested by mice, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> is the real world infested with mice, though? I think it I, kind of is. I'm sure there's a number out there of how many mice per human there exist. <laughs> but even so, even with that being the case, and that there is humans in this world, this is not one of those worlds where we never see humans. Well, um, no, I mean, we we even hear Holmes himself, Sherlock yeah. Holmes, but voiced by Basil Rathbone. The guy who played Holmes in a right. whole bunch of... Who, at this point, had been dead for almost 20 years. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that was a postmortem use of his voice apparently because i was curious about this because when i went oh it's archive because he's he's listed on imdb as archive sound and i'm like interesting what the hell does that mean (laughs) and apparently what they did is uh, his audio because they wanted him to be they wanted holmes to be basil rathbone um they that's that's cool yeah they pulled it from an old like uh like record (laughs) like like record murder mystery (laughs) <laughs> that he had recorded his audio for, and they pulled it over into in, into the movie and used it in this film. Since you didn't, I mean, obviously, it, he just it's just in the shadow, right, right, you know, right, right, for that for that one bit. So it's uh, uh, but, yeah, it's actually him, which I thought yeah. was really cool. So, uh, but you were saying uh, because it's this world of, of that humans and mice have infested it with their little, their, their community, <laughs> their communities. I love that there's like a sorry, real quick when when we went to Buckingham Palace, I went. Oh, good God, there's a little mouse version of Buckingham Palace, isn't there? <laughs> and we were in it. I went, that's brilliant. <laughs> uh, no, but even, even, with it, even with it being in, you know, we, with mice, this is a very, it's, it's, it doesn't, I don't know. I kind of forgot that they were mice after a while. Mm-hmm. And I was just enjoying it as if they, they could have been humans. In my head, it could have been humans. Yeah, it's a, that is a successful anthropomorphic story. Yeah. That that you when you can when you aren't fixated on the fact that they are not human, right? If that doesn't com- continue to strike you over the head, then that's a very well done 
uh, uh, use of anthropomorphic creatures. Uh, Pixar is very successful in that with toys and uh, Toy Story, but I mean the toys in Toy Story. I don't <laughs> think the movie's called Toys. That's a Robin Williams. Movie. That's a Robin Good Williams movie. movie from the early nineties. Yeah. Or or cars <laughs> or monsters. When it, when when the story itself is constructed thoroughly enough and and developed well enough, and the characters are interesting enough, you're not going to be fixating on the fact that they're mice. So. Right, because for the most part, you could swap out what species i guess or what they yeah. are you know I, species doesn't work for toys or but, or, but, <laughs> but like you could if you could swap it out with a completely different group of people so yeah instead of it being toys it could be monsters or it could be like you said cars and it's yeah. still a good story at its core yeah for those three examples aren't necessarily the greatest examples for being easily able to swap them out with another uh, another thing because yes they're their their plot does hinge on the fact that they are they toys are. or they are cars or they are monsters or that or that they are mice or that, that they is, are mice. Yeah, th- there certainly is an element of this whole thing that is dependent upon the fact that they are rodents. Right. Uh, but there there there's a simplicity to this film. This this film might have one of the simplest plots of all the movies we've seen so far. Oh yeah, because it's a man gets kidnapped. Uh, um, the toy maker gets kidnapped by Radigan. Uh, Olivia recruits Sherlock Mm -hmm. and in less than a day dad is rescued dad is rescued which (laughs) we cannot move on any further without mentioning the fact that the toy maker is voiced by Alan Young yep I could as soon as he opened his mouth and we had I just had watched the the newest the David Tennant uh, um uh, DuckTales, yep. and that made me that made me go back, and I've been rewatching the original DuckTales series. So, just in case anybody out there is not aware, Alan Young is the voice of Uncle Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck mm-hmm. from the DuckTales. From pretty much, well, every, whenever they used Uncle Scrooge, I think it was pretty much Alan Young for yeah, most the part. video game, the yep. M- Mickey's oh. Christmas Carol. Alan Young, also better known as Wilbur from Mr. Ed. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, it's Wilbur. Really? That's Wilbur. Oh my goodness! That's Mr. That's Ed's a... owner. Oh wow! <laughs> Mind uh, blown. TC. But you know what? If we're if we're we're talking, I mean, I've mentioned the simplicity of the story. It really is as simple as that. And the the charm of seeing these these characters go through that well constructed yet simple story mm-hmm. uh, is is a lot of fun. But if we're going to talk about voice acting. We have got to talk about Mr. Vincent Price <laughs> as the voice of Radigan, Professor oh. Radigan, the the Moriarty analog for this film. You know what? I'm going to say this right now. Having watched this movie, I am immediately saddened that Vincent Price didn't do more Disney villains. <laughs> oh gosh, I, talk about a dream come true. I I I have to believe that anyone who gets an opportunity to voice a Disney character, if there, actually, I can. We'll discuss this in a few mov- down, movies down the road about the disrespect of voice acting for a Disney character. But for a legend like Vincent Price to do it, I watched a little uh, behind-the-scenes video that's up on IMDb where he says it was a dream come true to oh. be able to be Radigan. And he gave extensive interviews about the 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 thought process he went into in creating the character of Radigan. This voice of a mouse. He developed his... His motives in his head and and his he was very method about becoming wow really this, this character yeah I like watched he, this movie going that's just Vincent Price being Vincent Price as a villain no, in a no, good he, way not a bad he, way in a good way he was <laughs> he he there's a, a great little um, interview about him giving uh, where he discusses the 
oh, with the the villain must be as complex is the most complex character in films like these because they have to be charming and maniacal and 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 he lists all the and intelligent and unhinged and all these levels and I brought all of that to Radigan and. and I'm not going to try to do a Vincent Price. The only Vincent Price I'm just like, ah, ah, ah. Oh, I love Vincent Price so much. I will say this, and it's 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 so awesome because I do I do enjoy my fair share of like the just cheesy B movie horror films from like the 50s and the 60s that he was a part of. Like I I freaking I love like the original House of Wax and The Fly and so uh, House of Haunted Cr- Hill. Like Christopher Lee and Vincent Price. Yep. I just there's a part of me that I'm like I I really do like those movies. Those are stupid. And of course, I was a Michael Jackson fan growing up as a kid, so of course I love Thriller and the Thriller. And yeah. uh, Vincent Price's voice is just forever ingrained in my head and in he's my memory. He's a legend. He is a he legend. Is, he's an absolute legend. And and I didn't remember. I didn't look it up beforehand. I did not know. I did not have the memory that Vincent Price was the voice of Radigan. So when the voice came out of him, <laughs> I, I my first note was, "Well, that wasn't the voice I was expecting," because he's this this big barrel chested r- mis- mis- this rats right, and I I, I I was expecting something with a little more gravitas gravitas to his right. voice, and so when when as Vin- when the that more nasally pitched voice came out, my first thought was like, "Well, that's an odd choice," but then it took me all thirty seconds to go, "That's Vincent Price," <laughs> <laughs> which apparently once Vincent Price got signed on to do the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ch- they completely changed the way Radigan looked. That's cool. <laughs> to match his voice more, I guess, or to match what the or sorry, match the performance that Vincent mm-hmm. Price was giving through his voice. And it's and so- I I do want to say I want to say this real quick that mm-hmm. I I am I'm very I'm glad that since knowing Vincent Price this was like a dream of his, I'm glad that he was able to do one. Even though we're we're still in the mid '80s and we haven't hit that resurgence of the Disney. Uh, uh, movies, which is going to come yeah. in two more movies, basically. Uh, you could definitely see it. I can watching this movie. I went. This is more or less the Disney movies I remember from a kid as a kid. This yes, feels yeah. more like a Little Mermaid and Beauty and Beauty, like that era. That's it. Kind of feels more like that. Down to the fact that the villain has a flipping villain song in this movie, <laughs> which you yes. have no idea how ecstatic I got when I'm like, it's a villain song. <laughs> I didn't know there was a villain song. That Vincent Price, his theatric. Theatricality, the this very theatrical performance he gave to Radigan, it's mm-hmm. com- it comes through really incredibly in the animation. That something, uh, though this movie does not have the the truly dynamic animation that you might associate with the with the more powerful Disney r- classics, right? Right. The 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 expressions on all their faces, the characteristics and all the is uh, in Basil himself and Radigan himself, particularly those two, they're animated. So well, if if you if anyone listening to this didn't rewatch the movie before listening and, and wants to go try to find the Great Mouse Detective, pay attention to the animation in their faces and the 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 movement of their bodies. And Radigan himself is a clear. This is a precursor. This is the forerunner to Scar and Jafar oh, and yeah. Doctor Facilier. The 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 theatricality that I just mentioned. Uh, there's so much what we see in some of the future legendary um, performances of, yep. of villains like Jafar and Scar. That Radigan right here is a forerunner for that as, as much as the Great Mouse Detective is, is itself. Because, Jeff, you just said this feels like the movies you remember from Disney, right? Right. This movie, I, I, in watching it as it's playing out, 
I can see all the strokes that they perfected yeah. for the movies we're going to see down the line. Yep. You can the the villain song is there. The showstopper song is back. I don't think we've seen a showstopper song since Bippity Boppity Boo. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And the showstopper song that takes place in the in the pub is that's that's classic Disney right there. Classic as we know it. In that every Disney movie's got that showstopper. You got never had a friend like me. You got you got um uh, uh, uh dig a little deeper. You got um. Uh, what's the rock song from Frozen, right? Like, you know what I mean? There's yeah. there's the, the the showstoppers. And now, none of these songs are particularly memorable. In fact, this movie itself, though we are praising it, isn't one that, again, comes to the front of people's minds when thinking of the Disney movies. But I think we are now seeing the animation team and the young the young people coming up that are going to be animating the Renaissance They've they've figured it out. Right. They see the they are developing the formula right here. You can see them, and and it, I think what helped was the fact that this movie was successful. So the Black Cauldron kind of tanked a wee bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also was it was it's it's worth noting the fact that the reason this movie so okay so from the last one the last one was 1985 I believe was mm-hmm. uh, the Black Cauldron uh, compared to this one's yeah 85 and this is 86 this is just shy of a year later this movie came out and it was in response to the fact that the Black Cauldron during production wasn't doing well they were not happy with it as we kind of discussed last week some of the the cutting and the trimming and re-editing of the film oops yeah uh, a lot of that was happening so they pushed the Great Mouse Detective into production, and the Great Mouse Detective was actually financially successful. It was like a couple million dollar budget, and it I think it mm-hmm. earned like thirty or forty million in the box office, which that's pretty dang good. <laughs> you... That's pretty good. It's it, we will see this again tw- two more times at least mm-hmm. in the Disney Library, where where they will reach too far. Black Black Cauldron was reaching too far. Mm-hmm. They 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 set themselves up for failure. And the only only way to get out of it was to take something smaller and simpler and give it to a a, a team that they could pay less, who would be but would be more passionate about it. We're going to see that at least two more times out of the Renaissance era. Which I won't say which movies they are now, but if you know the history of Disney, you might know which ones I'm talking about. Me just looking through the list right now, I'm mentally picking out what they are. I don't want to say anything, uh, but I'm <laughs> yeah. in my head. I'm like, oh, I bet you it's this one and probably this one actually. <laughs> <laughs> but with with Black Cauldron being such a a, a mess from the product from the executive producer down, mm-hmm. and, and all the the political turmoil, the, the the just the mess that was happening behind the scenes affected what was going on. It was easy to go like, oh, we're just gonna go work on this silly mouse movie, <laughs> <laughs> and the mouse movie ended up being very successful, or mm-hmm. being successful at least, and it helped kind of. Put the put the right spin on it, but because it was successful, and it and as we've already discussed, it has what we can see as the bits that make up those better those better movie not better. I don't want to say better in in a negative sense, but the movies that but are once, coming down the line. Yeah, yeah. It's it was re- it was reaching too far, so they had to return to basics. They yep. found they they constructed a much simpler film, which allowed them to pour more of their passion into it. It's a it's a strange chemistry, but it, it worked because this movie was financially successful, and it's it's it is an enjoyable film. Right. Uh, the let me see here. Let's let's talk about the behind the scenes here. Let's okay, talk let's about what's it. going let's on at Disney. <laughs> so Jeffrey Katzenberg, as we discussed in a in a previous episode or two, has come into the Disney Animation Studios and he has shook this place up. And and Michael Eisner as well. The, these two guys have have come out of 
of successful um, live action movie careers, mm-hmm. and and uh, both both trying to have taken credit for movies that they may or may not have been responsible for doesn't matter. They came from Paramount to the Disney Animation Studios, and they and Katzenberg himself kept trying to run the place like a live action film, like with with Black Cauldron. We discussed last week. He he was like, "I don't like how this is cut. Show me the outtakes so we can pick different versions." Hey, buddy, there aren't outtakes in animation. That's not how this works. <laughs> it's not how right? this works, bud. <laughs> and and it's and it's situations like that that led to to conflict between him and the animation department. Even even going so far as uh, as a, a veteran producer of the animation uh, department yelling at him. And saying uh, Joe Hale, uh, Joe Hale. If you go look back, he's produced a good chunk of the past ten movies. Uh, yelling at him in front of everybody. How many animated movies have you produced? What gives you the qualification to tell us to how to do our job? <laughs> and Katzenberg was not is never someone who would would lose his temper mm-hmm. in loud ways, but he would be a seething angry and would say like would talk back to him was like uh, I've run a successful live action movie studio. And I know what I'm talking about. Now you answer to me. Now shut the hell up. <laughs> um, and so it was conflict like that going on. The the decision to move the animation team out so they could make more space for new people coming in. Uh, moving the animation studios from Burbank to Glendale without any sort of warning. Like, hey, we're going to build you a new facility. Well, why not just build a new facility for the new people? We've been here forever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a great, there's a great uh, little. Uh, uh, so they, when they were remodeling, they had to close off like the water fountains or whatnot. And there was a little memo going out saying like, "Ah, oh, we apologize." Uh, well, one of the uh, Ed Grumbart, who's one of the animators, decided to pull a little prank, and he put up a memo saying that the all the bathrooms were shut down and that they were going to bring in porta potties <laughs> that that people could use, and he and he signed it. <laughs> Katzenberg. Uh, he, he had signed it as one of the, maybe not Katzenberg himself, but one of the, the head honchos who had put out memos previously. So he forged a fake memo and put it up everywhere. And people were f- like, what the hell? We got to poop outside now? This is bull. This is bull. <laughs> and he just sat there watching people read the memo, cracking up. But that, that, was, that was previous. When The Great Mouse Detective was, was in production, and it was nearing release... There was a decision from the higher ups to change the name of the movie. Oh, I know because the movie was in, was from its source material, Basil of Baker Street, mm-hmm. from its written credit, from the script screenplay through production, all the way up to marketing of the film was Basil of Baker Street. But because Steven Spielberg had a flop with Young Sherlock Holmes, they decided, oh, people people don't want any Sherlock Holmes references. We we need to figure out. Baker Street, and then they're like Basil. Another thing, another is great. A little piece. Basil's too British for American <laughs> kids to understand. That was one of my favorite little like. Which that's I, one of your reasons to change the name of a movie. <laughs> I love though that in in their head they're like we're gonna change the name of this because it sounds too British. It's the too entire British. plot takes place in London and is about <laughs> a British mouse detective. It doesn't matter if you change the name; the movie is still going to be very British. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> You're now just tricking people to get them into the theater. Oh, God. Those bastages. There, there, there's the good, good word. Yeah. Uh-huh, there's a, there's I don't a swear on book. this podcast, guys. I, I make up phony words that sound like. It. 
There's Continue. a gr- great book called A Mouse in Transition, which was written by um, a, a writer um, from from the, the outside the wall era into the, this era we're in now. Um, who had, his last writing credit was one of the 16 people credited with a writing credit on The Great Mouse Detective. Oh, jeez Louise. Uh, um, <laughs> so or at least, a, at least a story credit. Um, <laughs> he, he has this great book, A Mouse in Transition, and the whole thing is available in chapters online if anyone's curious in reading about the history of the Eisner-Katzenberg years. It's, this really, it's a really fine book about the... Uh, the beginning of the Lester and Tim Burton and when those people are coming in and the old nine men going out. It's a great book. Um, but he, he tells the story of when the title got changed, that same, uh, Ed Gruber put another prank memo up <laughs> <laughs> that, that, um, because they changed the name to the great mouse detective, which is, which is a brilliant title, right? Oh yeah. That's real yeah, original they, there, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, do you know this? Uh, do you know about this memo? The, I do. I do. This was in my, the, this was in my notes section. I wanted okay, to okay. make sure we brought it up. So but please, please. I actually don't have the list in front of me. But oh, he, I do. He really, okay. he, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so he released it. Um, basically what he did is he released it with a list giving uh, prior Disney films, very generic titles. All 25 previous yep. movies. <laughs> I do not have all 25. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have a handful of them. TC, see if you can guess which ones are which. Okay, here we go. Okay, okay. All right. Well, this is this is a fair bit of trivia here because this memo is a thing of legends, so much so that this memo itself led to a new category in Jeopardy. <laughs> which I think is awesome, by the way. Yes. Uh, the, the, this this memo got released, and, and here's so. Okay, so what are, what are some of the, here are the some titles of them. here? Seven Little Men Help a Girl. <laughs> Snow White and Seven Doors. Yep. The Wonderful Elephant Who Could Really Fly. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, yeah. The Little Deer Who Grew Up. <laughs> that's my favorite Disney title. I love that. That's, that's my favorite movie. Are you kidding me? I love The Little yeah. Deer Who Grew Up. Uh, here's another one. The Girl with the See-Through Shoes. <laughs> so this sarcastic... Oh, keep going, keep this going. Three, I, got, I, got, I got three more. Okay. I got three more. Two Dogs Fall in Love. <laughs> Lady and the Tramp. There you go. Puppies taken away. <laughs> Underwater Dalmatians. That, that one I actually really like. And then the final Dude, one. What was that? What was that? Two? Puppies. That, get... the, yeah, puppies taken away is is puppies taken away. My, it was one of my favorites. Um, and then the last one: a boy, a bear, and a big black cat. <laughs> Jungle Book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this this memo got it was an internal memo. It was a nice. It was a, a prank being played by by Ed Grumbert and. Um, the the memo got out, <laughs> and the, the the L.A. Times did a story about the the problems behind the scenes at Disney Animation Studios using this specific memo as its thesis for the for the um for the article written, and, which led to a lot of yelling and arguing. And and one of the old one of the old older producers had to tell Katzenberg to chill out because. They're animators. <laughs> Jokes are their thing, man. Calm down. <laughs> he, he he was not a happy camper. That's that's for sure. <laughs> oh, you know what? Actually, I just found the the full uh, memo. I will make sure that it's linked on the, uh, yeah, on the okay, Facebook yes. page. Oh, sorry. I I have to read this one. The one the so yeah, it is for every single movie they had done at this point. And the second to last one, obviously not being the Great Mouse Detective, but the prior one which would be Black Cauldron, mm-hmm. he, he called the evil bonehead. <laughs> evil bonehead. I like that one. That one's good. All right, uh, I'll, make sure to, I'll make sure to make yeah. this, uh, I'll, I'll try to get this list on the website and hopefully on the Facebook page in case anybody wants to look at it <laughs> itself. Because it's actually, it's an it's a, it's a image copy of the memo 
And then nice. it's transcribed down below for people to read, uh, just in case you can't read the memo. Yeah, Kat, Katzenberg just came in and he really mixed things up. He had this different attitude of how Hollywood was supposed to work. There were young animators working at Disney who had only ever worked at Disney. They lived in that bubble of the Disney Animation Studios. So when these outside forces of Eisner and, and Katzenberg came into the Disney Studios with a Hollywood attitude, these guys had worked at Paramount. They had they had made movies that were were big blockbuster hits. To bring that attitude into the Disney Animation Studios was this really different experience for all these animators. To to have a producer have a meltdown where he's cursing like a sailor was something some of these young people animators had never heard or seen before. <laughs> they were experiencing Hollywood, the, the machine, and that's why you had people like Don Bluth leaving and people like. Uh, uh, who got frustrated by by this new system of no? We just need to make the money in the movies. Who stop worrying about the art of it? Go go go! Right. Um, but which uh, is a so, shame. So, it's a shame yeah, that that yeah. was even a thing. But I kind of see but, some of that still happen even in today's world too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Casberg uh, did go on to create, as I said before, DreamWorks animation. Yep. Um, but there there is some good that came out of this in that. The, the creators, the, the, the people who had the passion for what Disney Animation Studios stood for, rose to the challenge of that, of, of Katzenberg's demands, of his weird way of running the system differently than that it had been run previously. They rose to that challenge, and, and in trying to appeal to him while still maintaining an, an integrity that the, that the Disney movies deserved, and... We will get that. The Dark Ages, Jeff. This Dark Ages, as as much as we were like, oh, here come the Dark Ages, right. is so sh- is so short. Oh yeah, it really is. Because I was just looking at the list and I realized, oh, there's only two more movies, and this, there, there's only one more movie, and then we hit the Little Mermaid, which is yes, kind of the yeah. start of the 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 resurgence again of Disney. It's, yeah, I didn't realize how quickly we blew through this Dark Age. Mm-hmm. It's 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 touted as this really really dark period in in Disney history, and I think that comes from the behind the scenes workings as opposed to the the actual movies that were released. Right. We have discussed the the darker tones that these movies have have shown at, at least Fox and the Hound and Rescuers, but we're and Black Cauldron, yeah, mm-hmm. but we're we're pretty much out of that now. Yeah. We we're we're going to see see the effects of those just those three movies play out, and and we are seeing now. With Great Mouse Detective, how they, how they were able to transition into a Hollywoodisms, the Hollywoodisms that Katzenberg was demanding, while maintaining what what makes Disney movies so darn good in the first place. Yeah, because like I said, watching this movie, I saw so much of what I know the Disney movies to be. My yeah. my era of the Disney, or our era, I guess you could say, of the Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, there's the villain song open there. Like you said, there's the the the, the showstopper song in the middle, and and I'm like, okay, you know, there, there's a lot of funniness. <laughs> there's really, it's really well, the animation is getting better. I can already mm-hmm. see the quality of it improving. Um, it's still, yeah, it's still definitely grainy and dark, because uh, I watched a, a, an HD copy of this film, so it's it's it you know it's not a super clean movie like they are nowadays, but it's mm-hmm. still already it it still looks better than even Black Cauldron did, and it's a movie that was made simultaneously with that one, so you yeah, can already see there's a little more care 
with it, and we're getting there, and I'm so excited, so excited, Tasty. <laughs> well, let's 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 move away from all that behind the scenes and history jargon, and let's let's go back to talking about the film itself because mm-hmm. there 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 are elements we haven't even touched on yet. That um, like uh, so a note I have here is this is this will transit like segue us from talking about the mistakes of the past <laughs> and the hopes for the future, but uh, fidget the 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 pegged legged broken winged villain uh, henchman right is the bat right. Fidget is a better version of that little goblin from Black Cauldron. <laughs> yes, you know they did look a lot. They did look very familiar. And uh, while I was watching it, I, I was kind of realizing that they did have similar esque appearances. But you know what? I love Fidget so much better. I love the mm-hmm. concept of a peg legged bat. That yeah. just seems like <laughs> such a strange combination, <laughs> but I love it, yeah. <laughs> and it works. Uh, they, we we've already talked about the the Radigan himself being this larger than life villain through. Vincent Price's performance, but even his, his like who he is on the on the page. What are we seeing on the screen? That this like maniacal, I'm gonna take over the world, right? <laughs> uh, right. Very very cartoonish, hammy villain, which gives us because of his style and who he is, and a great counterpoint to Basil himself. Which well, I want to talk about him in a moment. But mm-hmm. the climactic battle of this movie is is is. Both good and I want to criticize it. It's good in that it's very intense. It's got it's got a great energy to it in in how the how the set piece plays out in mm-hmm. fighting inside Big Ben. However, With a lot I of computer wanna... animation, by the way. Yes, yes, the that all the inner workings of the clock. How seamless! I don't know what, how it looked on your version, mm-hmm. but that CG looked great. Oh, I, be- that's what I was thinking because I, I had read ahead of time that they're they're talking about this is the first movie to really utilize CG in a major way like that. And when it came to it, I and because they're like, oh, it's also the first time to that they integrated uh, 2D flat, uh, you know, flat hand drawn animation on top of 3D animation in a film. But I watched it and I went, yeah, it looks fine. Like. It didn't look awkward. It didn't... It Yeah, okay, obviously, the CG has a little, especially from this era, and I guess even nowadays, it has a little bit smoother of a tone than mm-hmm. uh, than, the, than the hand-drawn stuff, but there was, the cameras were moving around, and we're, you know, we're pulling back and doing depth-of-field changes, and the characters never really looked out of place in that world. Yeah. It, it felt was a right. Se- seamlessly combined. Uh, yeah. What one one problem I did have with the climax though is the score. There wasn't one. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I didn't even realize that. That that, that there there were some tonal ideas uh, or some some tones and some a little bit of like musical elements to it, but there there wasn't the there wasn't as climactic as it is visually. It didn't feel climactic auditorily. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> like the, and and it's a shame too because. When the when the the movie starts and we get the cold open again, which is cool, right? Yep, yep. Um, oh yeah, I really I really like the cold opens. <laughs> so the cold opens, starting with the sound of rain, and we get the introduction of or the kidnapping of the toy toy maker, and then the opening fanfare started. I got I got a little bit of a, a chill of happiness in that, like, <laughs> oh, this music's this this sounds like the music of Disney right here, and then and then that it's it's a. Uh, Oh, you're laughing at me. Wait, I, well, I was just gonna—I was just gonna say because for 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 me, it was such a drastic tonal shift <laughs> because it's it's the little girl being like like I don't remember she says Papa or Daddy or whatever, Papa, but she's yeah she's Papa. shouting but and it's really sad and dramatic and then all of a sudden it's like a it's like really happy and upbeat it's fanfare a, and it kind of no it kinda, it's not it happy upbeat it is me. a fanfare. Oh, 
Well, yeah. I'm like, what is this shift? No, I, I, I agree to disagree. I think the music kicking in there really works. And I, and that's why I'm disappointed by the, the not having a, a climactic end battle orchestration because you got the great Henry Mancini doing the oh, music here. This is of, of Pink Panther fame. Pink Panther fame. Come yeah. on, guys. Yeah. Perry Mason, um, come on, come on, son, come on. What's a what's a Perry Mason? <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, I, I liked the return to the music and and having a, a classic composer like Henry Mancini mm-hmm. offering that up, but not not utilizing it through and through was a little disappointing. It, it's um, also one of those things where I do wonder because we are in that weird age where, um, and I. I I, I'm a connoisseur of film scores. I enjoy mm-hmm. my film scores. Uh, I, and I, I, I have my resources into being able to acquire like hard to find or unreleased scores um, that's, digitally. That's true. And you stuff got like that. you've you've helped me out find a couple scores Indeed. that didn't even know existed before. So. Yeah, and it's and it's because it's it's and it's so weird because once you start listening to these scores and you find like the like the unreleased score for this movie or that movie and you start going, well, why was it never released? And you look at all the track listings and you listen to it and you're like, that was not in the movie. That's not in the movie. That's not in the movie. What the hell is this? Sorry. What What is oh. this score? I'm so sorry. Today's episode is explicit, guys. I apologize. It's PG. It's between, PG. Between passages, and I just said the word <laughs> hell twice. Ooh. Ooh, it's so dangerous. Um, so you're saying, Jeff, that somewhere out there, Henry Mancini might have scored that climactic battle. It just wasn't put in the movie. And it wasn't and put you, in the movie. Because I've stumbled across that. And I'll just blame so Katzenberg much. for that. That all oh, well. <laughs> I'm starting bastard. to wonder. I'm starting to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if the giant cat in this movie is a reference to Katzenberg. Hmm? Ooh. Maybe. Hmm. He comes along, he just he, eats everything, and is a big uh, fat cat. He's a big fat cat oh, of Hollywood. <laughs> speaking of such, uh, <laughs> he's a Sorry. big fat cat. I get it. I get it, Jeff. That was That's good. what I'm here for. See, that's what improv is all about, TC. I, I am curious, though. The version you watched uh-huh. right before the, the, the Radigan song, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did the drunk mouse get eaten by Felicia the cat? Yes, he did. Okay, because I'm I'm a, I, I saw that there's a version out there where they cut that, which is ridiculous. Yeah, well, I mean, I I made a note of it. I wrote it down in my in my notes that I was actually a little surprised that scene was in the movie because I'm like, that's kind <laughs> of violent. You know, Radigan, s- yeah, you he don't kill the guy. S- he kills the guy. You don't see it happening. But you hear the the drunk mouse singing and singing and singing and then nothing. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, that cat just ate a mouse and killed it. <laughs> Not even like, oh, he ate the mouse. And then like a, like 30 seconds later, you hear the mouse still singing inside the cat. You know, like the, the classic right. like Looney classic. Tunes or any yeah. of that approach where, no, he's not actually dead. No, he, he flat out killed that mouse. Mm-hmm. That's pretty but- dang brutal. That is very, that's very good storytelling because that established the first time we meet Radigan that he's willing to sacrifice his men against Felicia the cat who will eat you, who, who is a, an actual threat to kill. That raises the stakes when she comes back later into the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, the, the, the Great Mouse Detective has a couple of really great, very, very smartly written scenes and moments like that. Um, uh, for example, when they go into the toy store, the, the last thing Basil says to Olivia is, don't, um, I wrote this down because it, it struck me, um, uh, do not utter one word. He tells her not to utter oh, one okay. word. Okay, yep. She doesn't say a single word in that entire scene. <laughs> it's, not, it's not until... Yeah, he says, he says, not a word out of you. And so she says goodbye to Toby the dog. 
and then she doesn't speak again. <laughs> very well done. Very clever writing. See, and now, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, that, no, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I, before I forgot, you mentioning about like the, the, the showing of the stakes by having the mouse getting eaten by the cat. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm terrible at names, guys. Uh, I must not have liked the movie that much, guys. Uh, um, <laughs> no. But like her, see, that is, that right there is what I would have wanted from the Jungle Book. I don't mean to harp on the Jungle Book, guys. But for <laughs> going like, back to making I'm fun going, of Shere Khan. <laughs> Shere Khan. If something like that had happened with Shere Khan early in the movie to give me a reason to believe he is as bad of a threat as everyone's making him out to be, would yeah, have been yeah. much better. Even if he did get, you know, get, I can't say the words I want to say, he got easily beaten at the end of the movie and then ran off. Punked out. Punked he got out. punked out. Sure, I'll take that. Even if then when that happens, I still wouldn't <laughs> care because it's. I at least had seen that, well, he is able to be evil, but he just got the best of him. Right. I didn't so even having get a move that having having some very well placed foreshadowing early in the script to be pay off later. That's, if Shere Khan was, had yeah. fed one of his men to a giant <laughs> animal, giant human, you know, whatever, that then I would have been completely okay with this. Oh man, you don't like Jungle Book. I really guys, guys, <laughs> well, here, spoilers. I don't like Jungle Book. Calm down, calm down, just it's okay. It's okay. Here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let, let me ask you about a scene. Let me okay, ask you about okay. go back to Great Mouse Detective. Oh yeah. Oh, that movie we're talking about. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yes. What <laughs> What did you think about the Rube Goldberg moments where Basil and Dawson are in the rat trap, and Olivia's in the bottle, and the and the, I, actually I really love that record playing, and it just keeps going. And there's a great bit of comedy where they cut back to the scene, and the record's still playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first but, thought was that record's long, guys. I hope you don't know how long that record is. You know what? Rat, Radigan has the ego that he would record an entire EP just yep. to uh, just to taunt Basil. <laughs> but I'm curious, what did you think about how that scene played out? That that Basil was even to the point of wanting to quit, so like, or that he'd given up. That he'd given up. My my biggest thing is is that I know I I I've seen enough movies in my day that I know he's not going to give up. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, mm-hmm. and I know the movie's not going to end with him being like, well, what? Uh, well, not Watson, uh, Hudson. Uh, it's like, well, Hudson, I know we're da- done. Da- Dawson, Dawson. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Dang, Nevit. I thought it was Hudson for some reason. Guys, I hated this movie. Spoilers, I hated what? this movie. What? <laughs> Keep talking. Hold on a minute. You're talking about Dawson. So he, he, he turns yeah, sorry, Dawson. Dawson. No, but like, I know he's not going to do I know he's not going to turn to Dawson and be like, Dawson, that's it. We're done for. And we're just going to squash. We're going to get squashed. And then Radigan's going to survive. And that's the end of the movie. And mm-hmm. I know that's not how it's going to happen. But I, I, but so then there's a part of me that's sitting there watching and going, okay, so what is going to change his mind? How is he gonna? How are they gonna get out of this? Because it felt like, oh, it, it's so it's so funny. This entire movie has this air of almost like a spoof of Sherlock okay. movies and yeah, Sherlock yeah, stories. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. but it done in, in done in a good way, not a not a bad spoofy way. It's not making fun of, but it's kind of just it's kind of teasing and poking fun at. You know, it, right, it also felt very much so, yeah, it's very tongue in cheek. The fact that the fact that Radigan couldn't decide which way to take him out, so he was going to do them all at once. <laughs> which <laughs> yes, I thought yes. was just hilarious. That's uh, yeah. So here here's some more clever writing. We were discussing like foreshadowing and placing a piece that plays off later. 
the Basil fails, and he's just there. He's like, "This is it, Dawson. We've I can't." I, and and Dawson convinces him with a, with some turn of a phrase. He's like, "Oh, that's it. That's how we need. That's what we need to do. We right. might as well just set the trap off now. Set the trap off now." And he, yeah. and then Basil is back. That happened in the introductory scene to Basil. He comes in full force, ready to solve the mystery because he's got that bullet, and he goes through all the chemistry and all the excitement and then he goes to match the bullet and it doesn't match and he gives up <laughs> he has it remember he do you right. remember at the yep. beginning he's yep. like oh, i failed again and then he just goes and he collapses on this on his armchair and he's a failure and he's like i've failed I've, I've give, i'm giving up right here and now and then it's olivia who ignites him into going again but having him do that in his opening scene makes it logical that he would give up in the mousetrap again later. Right. It's, that is a really well-constructed bit of foreshadowing. It's actually, it's one of those weird moments where it seems like Basil, and this is me being serious, it seems like Basil is a character that probably does that a lot, <laughs> where he gives up on stuff and just is like, nope, that's it, I'm done. But then prior to having Dawson and, mm. <laughs> and <laughs> Olivia there to like, Conv- like say something to 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 spark his mind to start thinking in a different way. I'm curious to know what he did in the past. If it was just yeah, his that's own, a you very, know, who sparked his 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 idea in the past? Was it just was it him? Did it take him just a little longer to do it, or or what? This is why this is why we need. A, a great mouse detective TV series because I have I want to know that too. <laughs> It'd be I would I would watch a great mouse detective TV series. You, you just make it be a it's a procedural it's a Sherlock procedural. That's true. That's the, all the it best is. we're gonna get. The best we're gonna get is there's a great mouse detective level in Kingdom Hearts three. Oh, <gasps> I want to play that now. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's one other note I I made. Now this was tweeted at me, so I'm I'm I won't take the credit for realizing this, but it was uh, Toby the dog keeps grounding at Dawson. Okay. Right? Yep. And why 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 does Toby hate Dawson? What did Dawson do? The very first thing pointed out by Basil to Dawson is that he stitched his sleeve back together with cat guts. Oh. Oh. The stitching in his sleeve was done with cat guts. <laughs> he didn't say cat guts, but that's it's implied. So, yeah, and that, that's that's great. That so is that's why great. Toby keeps growling at Dawson because he smells like a cat. <laughs> See, there's there's a very there's a lot of very just clever writing and clever. It, it feel it did it, it. I mean, obviously the book that this came that is blah 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 blah. blah. The book Beep, that boop, this boop, is based upon. Mm-hmm. Sometimes words are hard, especially when you're improving. Everybody, ha <laughs> <laughs> um, ha. No, script- I'm scripted. You're, you're scripted, which is why TC does this flawlessly every time. <laughs> he rehearses all days, all mm-hmm, days, mm-hmm. like a week out, guys. <laughs> So the source material. TC, I think I need to go to a script. Uh, no, so the the sorry, sorry, the source material for this. The, I know it was written in the '60s or the '50s mm-hmm. and the '60s. It, it definitely has like a nice homage to the bygone era of Sherlock Holmes and those types of mysteries, and and it just it had like a it had a very much so like old school feel in a good way, not a bad way. I there, even though it was made in the '80s, I kind of forgot that it was from the '80s. Just because of the story, it feels like a 1930s, 1940s, you know, drama that Certainly. I that I oh, would yeah, watch, yeah. like an old school, like Universal or 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 Warner Brothers mystery movie. Like that's kind of what it feels like to me. 
and, and a, I liked it. I liked that. Yeah, this is much much like a Robin Hood, as I as I cited it, or um, Sword in the Stone, or a couple of Disney movies we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. This is a great introduction to the to Sherlock Holmes. If you could, if you find the right kid to sit down and watch this, who's truly engaged by the movie, but even uh, is drawn towards Basil himself as a character, you got a kid who's gonna love. Uh, Sherlock Holmes when he get, when he when he or she grows up. Well, what would be good is you could technically introduce him to Sherlock Holmes even at that younger age because if they liked this movie because you kind of see Sherlock in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Y- you could point out being like, okay, okay, so you like the Great Mouse Detective, so so you know the guy you saw like a shadow of a couple people. One was playing a violin at one point, and and you could show <laughs> them like an, an old like Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes, which wouldn't be scary or inappropriate or violent or anything because that would have been from yeah. the older era. But you could show them one of those and be like, okay, so that guy, that guy lives above the Basil. That that's who lives ne- upstairs, and that's who you see in the chat. Like you could point to him. He's the human Basil. He's the human Basil, and then so you could kind of—I don't want to say trick because that's not the right term—but you could kind of finagle a kid to watch some of those older <laughs> ones by convincing them that it is the same world as the Great Mouse Detective. If they like that, yeah, yeah. I've been around kids long enough. I know how to cheat. I mean, I mean, uh, what? What to cheat? What are you talking about? So I have a I have a tweet about about Basil himself. Okay. That um, we can we can go we can discuss right now. Um, if if you don't mind, that would be um, fine, because, sir. Uh, because I I do think this is a good introduction to Sherlock Holmes, and uh, and we've discussed that there's the 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 comedy is here, the timing is here, the sight gags of of the Disney the best kind of Disney is, is all in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I like when, when uh, Toby steps on, like, oh, here we go, Toby. And Toby goes, he steps on, on Basil. Basil does a little spin, and then he's yanked by the, the leash. That's a great bit of, of visual <laughs> comedy there. Um, but, but in speaking of Basil himself being this Sherlock Holmes character, um, I have a tweet here from uh, Dig 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 Hi-Ho, another oh, one yeah. of our regulars. One of our regulars, yeah. Um, yep. Is Basil the best male role model of the movies we've watched so far. Ooh. So of of all the, of the 26 movies now we've watched, we've had a, we've had a, a fair share of male characters. Obviously we have our princesses and our and our female protagonists, but of the male protagonists we've had, is he the best male uh protagonist, the best male role model? Um I I'll, I'll let you answer first. I have my answer already. I you know, that's a that's a Mm, that's a tough question because it seems like a lot of our actually well you could no because you you could argue that a lot of the female characters are all princesses so they all kind of have a similar vibe to them all the males Mm -hmm. seem to be just broken (laughs) (laughs) there seems to be just something wrong with all the guys um yeah i don't know if he would be the best though i mean he 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 seems to be one of the Mm, I don't want to say like not he's, honest, but he seems I to be more like he he has a heart to him. Like he 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 wants mm-hmm. to do good. I mean that's why he's a detective. That's why he's solving right. these cases and why he helps. <laughs> he's certainly he's certainly not as big of a a jerk as Sherlock Holmes has been portrayed and probably should be portrayed because Sherlock Holmes is the smartest guy in the room and he knows it. Right. And whereas Basil is much much nicer of a character, uh, but I I don't think he's the best male role model that Mm-mm. we've seen of these 26 films so far. He's good. I, I do I do think that he's a cool hero. He's a cool protagonist. Um, I like his relationship to... It, it, maybe we're looking too, too deep into things, but he was he really wanted Dawson to stay. 
Yeah. Like he need, he wanted that friend. He saw how good it was to have him around. And he had an affinity for Olivia. Like he was he wanted to help her and and she's she's a cute little character, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. I was actually kind of sad that I forgot that she wasn't like I think in like the, in the grand scheme of things. I'm like, "Oh, she's not going to be part of the narrative after this story. She would just right. go back with her dad and that's that'd be it. Like that's not yeah. she's not going to be out there with, on adventures with <laughs> you know, with Basil. Maybe she comes back, but when when I look back at uh, at the twenty six movie, now he said he asked if in all of Disney, um, I'm limiting it to just the movies we've seen so far, just okay. for the sake of we haven't gotten down the road yet, so we can't discuss future characters. True, uh, we've had we have had some some good characters, some good role models that of of the male variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think Bernard proves himself to be a rather nice guy. Uh, Robin Hood, though he is a thief and he's roguish, right? Uh, everything he's doing is very altruistic. Um, even even Philip, for his underdeveloped, well, he's more developed than our whipping girl Aurora, <laughs> but he's he he, uh, you know, makes the decision that he's gonna be in love with the girl that he wants to be in love with, not the one that his father wants him to be in love with. Then it turns out it's the same girl. Um, Just so really had good timing. Bad, really, or, yeah, yeah, we've yeah. had we've had a bad male role models in someone like Peter Pan, who's yeah. not, oh, not yeah. someone to be a role model whatsoever, <laughs> right? Uh, and Pinocchio is too naive to be a, a, a good role model. He He's someone to learn from. And even Tramp. Tramp is a good guy, but he still is a criminal, right? He comes from the streets. <laughs> the, I think the best male role model that we've seen in the, in the movie so far is Pongo from 101 Dalmatians. You know, yeah. I He's would actually, a good man. I, I, yep, I would agree. I would agree with that. That's not where I thought you were going, but uh, <laughs> I will agree with that. Um, I will agree Who with you. you. Well, obviously, TC, it's Jose Carroquia. So uh, from Three Caballeros, I'm sorry. Well, of course, of I course. Mean, come on, guys. Come on. Come oh, on. Who else? Pongo is, is the is the. He's a good husband. He's a good father. He's a good friend. And he everything he does is for the the goodness of the people around him. Sure, he's he wants to fall in love, so that's why he finds Roger a a, a mate. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's for Roger, not for himself necessarily. Right. Um, it's just he yeah. gets uh, perks. Uh, well, yeah, actually, yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Because he wasn't really even going after uh, Perdita. Perdita. Yeah, yeah, that it was just that was that. Well, it literally was just a perk. It was just oh, <laughs> oh, there's a female for me. Oh, that's kind of cool. So, so there, there you go, dig, dig. Um, that's uh, yeah, he tweeted at tweeted uh, at TC's Big Head, or you can tweet at Jeff at Random Bell if you. I am still over here. I I know <laughs> I know people don't tweet me, but it's okay. I'm uh, okay. I got I have a couple more, but I'll save those. Um, because I'm wondering of all the movies we've watched so far. I was going to try to cut you off so just before you did that. I hate you so much. (laughs) Where do you rank the Great Mouse Detective? So this this one was tough. We're we're hitting spots now where where it's so this is our sixth movie of our ten for this this Mm -hmm. this bank of ten. And I, I was I've I I've already changed it from so I, I usually take my my gut reaction and I vote and I make my choice right after I get done watching the movie and I put mm-hmm. that in my notes and then usually before we start recording I will look that over and see if now that I had some time away from it you know usually it's been 24 hours would I put it elsewhere on the list uh, and yeah. then in in a lot of cases I've changed it while we've been talking because I've you know You've brought up a lot of good points, or a lot of I times make good arguments. You make really good arguments, and I can't argue with you, TC. You're too smart at this stuff. Uh, so I usually, I, I not usually, I will oftentimes change it 
during the course of the episode. This one, I I had it at a different position, and before we started recording, I changed it, and I have kept it. <laughs> Dang that! I was like making you go first because it know, lets I me like so solidify <laughs> my, solidify my choice. So all right, so here's. Oh, dang, Nabbit. Okay, yeah, you know what? You know what, TC? You know what, what TC? I, what do I know? I don't know, and you need to tell me now. Mm, <laughs> you know what? I think you should go first. So, <laughs> no. Uh. no, 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 I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. All right, so I, I made the decision uh, that this is actually... It, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I went into mm-hmm. it not knowing what to expect, and or if I had, in fact, seen it, and I don't remember anything that happened in it but i had fun watching it i like that it felt more like the disney movies that i remember as a kid i enjoyed watching it never did i i paused it once because i had to go do my laundry and when i paused (laughs) it i went oh there's only 20 minutes of this movie left oh holy cow wow oh this was actually a lot faster than like it was it wasn't slow to me i enjoyed it it was a fun Mm -hmm. movie and that's why it's my number two all right. I I thought that's where you were going with this. Yes. I didn't think it was going to dethrone Fox and the Hound. No, because Fox yet, and the least. Hound. Yeah, <laughs> oh, don't worry, guys. We have three more movies before that gets dethroned. Uh, <laughs> but like, it was definitely it was it was fun and enjoyable. And you know, I, we brought up early on that it felt very much so like the Rescuers, uh, which actually this was supposed to be. This was like, um, this movie got brought up during the time of the Rescuers, but because they were already doing something very similar. Mm-hmm. They shelved it for a while and did the Black Cauldron instead, okay. uh, and then came back to it. But like it, it, it felt very much so like the Rescuers, and I enjoyed the Rescuers. That was a fun movie, and yeah. but I like my mysteries. I like those. I like this type of film. These types of stories. It was fun. It reminded me of the movies. Like, like I said, uh, that I remember from my childhood, which made it just more enjoyable for me. Um, it wasn't, it didn't beat the Fox and the Hound because I'm sorry if a cartoon (laughs) can get multiple very emotional emotions and reactions from me, it's hard to top that movie. It's it's very hard. It's very hard to top that movie. So yeah, it it put it at number two, which does knock uh, Winnie the Pooh down to number three Mm. on my list because Winnie the Pooh was my number two. I I still really enjoyed Winnie the Pooh, but uh, this, this movie almost to me felt like the rescuers like 1.5 like it almost felt like they they took what they learned from the rescuers and could just kind of they refined it a little bit more yeah 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 and uh, in a good now, way not, and not saying the rescuers were bad just it they it just it was nice i like this one it was fun i enjoyed yeah. it so this is my number 2 so i i've really enjoyed this movie as well and i'm and i'm glad to have returned to it after all these years and not having a lot of a, a lot more memories of it than I did have. I love you know my memory of seeing it in the theaters and and having seen it previously. But going back to it now and 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 appreciating it for, like you said, developing what the rescuers did. It feels like it's in the same world, mm-hmm. um, and it and it's it built upon that and left me wanting more. It makes me want to find rescue rangers and see if that's any good. <laughs> if, if that holds up, it it makes me interested in in connecting more of the movies to this style of world i'm going to connect cinderella to this i'm going to connect dumbo to it Mm -hmm. because i like this notion of these these uh these rodents out there living in a miniature human world oh yeah um and and the potential i see in in what this movie 
this is different. The potential I saw in Black Cauldron made me dislike the movie. The potential <laughs> I see in the Grace Mouse Detective, Great Mouse Detective, makes me really enthralled by the film. And often the way it comes down to ranking it is okay. If I had to watch this one or this one, which would I'm one? Which one would I watch? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, maybe it's just how I feel about today. Maybe it's how I feel about it after this conversation. But I'm gonna make it my number two also. Ooh, that I'm gonna keep Winnie the Pooh at number one just because it's such a a happy film and that I can watch any point of Winnie the Pooh and, and just smile. Oh yeah. And I'm putting it above Robin Hood because I don't know that it may because the great mouse detective is just fresher, but as much as I do like Robin Hood, I'm going to bump it down to number three and uh, make Basil of Baker street, the great mouse detective, the adventures of the great mouse detective, wherever you want to title this film, <laughs> my num- my number two in this set of films, the mouse that was smart. <laughs> That's what I'll call it. So it's funny, TC, we have actually got, one movie that's the same on both of right our the same spot. Yep, that's true. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is a uh, that's cool. Okay, that's 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 awesome. I I'm glad we we definitely seem to have like a very similar opinion regarding this film. I mean, I just yeah, I can't go wrong. I mean, it has Vincent Price in it, and he's so over the top and so ridiculous that it's perfect for Vincent Price. You can <laughs> tell he was having fun. He had to have been having fun making this movie. Oh, you could just yeah, tell certainly. in his performance the, the mm-hmm. fact that he's like, "Ooh, I get to be a villain again, but I can be a Disney villain." He's <laughs> going well, completely we, crazy. We we've touched on the theories that this exists in the Rescuers universe, so there's no mm-hmm. there's no need to go into there. But were there any no. tropes in here? Because I think there's at least one. <laughs> oh, TC, there's at least one. Uh, there is, and I you know exactly the one I'm going to talk about. Uh, and course. then I realized as the credits were rolling, I went, "Oh, wait a minute, there's a third one that I completely forgot about and had to okay. go back." So um, the villain, first off, the villain has an animal sidekick. Yes, Felicia. Or the yep, or hench. I guess yeah. You sidekick. I would be Felicia. Um, I you could argue. I guess that uh, I'm sorry. The bat. What is it? Triggs. Uh, oh, f- uh, uh, fidget. Fidget. Thank you. Um, that fidget kind of is a sidekick, but is more of yeah, a henchman. He's, than yeah, well, he's more of the Igor he, or Igor. I guess between. Yeah, he he's a sidekick, but he's 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 not an animal sidekick, right? right. Felicia's an animal sidekick. True. He he's just he's just one of his uh, one of the other dudes in the story, right? So I had the you villain. here long. <laughs> how did anyone? Sorry, how did anyone fall for that queen robot for even a split second? I don't I know, know. I know it's the logic of the movie, but I, I forgot to touch on that. That this is like I am the queen. Also, and keep in mind like, the fact that she's like vibrating violently as she's doing this. <laughs> cartoon logic, cartoon logic. So, so anyway, also somehow Scrooge McDuck invented a machine that transformed his voice into the queen's voice. If it doesn't uh, make anyone's, sense. <laughs> if anyone's a fan of of uh, tvtropes.com it's a it's a fun site that cat- get catalogs tropes and uh similar to what Jeff does on this on the uh the cast here where he we have developed this section of talking about reoccurring tropes in Disney film uh, there's a great trope on that site called Reed Richards is useless because <laughs> Reed Richards in the comics can literally make anything why would they ever have a problem so this <laughs> The, uh, uh, the the toy inventor can make a robot that good. How is he even poor, right? <laughs> you got well. This is this is go along with the whole professor on Gilligan's <laughs> Island theory that yes, th- yeah, just make a boat. Come on, <laughs> the man made 
a, 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 the coconut man radio <laughs> made a coconut radio, which is usually the gay, but the man made yeah. a flipping vehicle that they drove around the island <laughs> in. Basically, he made a golf cart. Yes, it was foot pedaled. Okay. Still, guys, come on. Anyway, mm. we, we that was a tangent there. So trope Anyways. number two. So trope number two would be, of course, guys of course, and girls, yeah. the villain falls to his death. <laughs> Uh, the moment they ended up in the clock tower, I went, oh, well, I'm just going to write this one down because this is going to happen. <laughs> but I do love the twist that Basil, uh, spoilers for a movie that's 20 if, At this point in the podcast, we've, we've spoiled so much if, if anyone got this far and is that's mad true. at us. Um, but I actually was very surprised that like Basil went with them because I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. what are they, okay, how are they going to? How are they gonna? How are they gonna get out of this? Truthfully, Basil probably should have just rode that thing down to the ground. I feel nah. like he was doing way more work pedaling it back up to meet with everybody else. That's just <laughs> my own little thing. Sorry, guys. But uh, and then of course, the course, the big one that happened literally in the first thirty seconds of this movie that I didn't even realize was mm-hmm. it's a single parent. Oh, oh gosh, that didn't even dawn on See? me. See, <laughs> that's the one that I didn't even. It didn't even phase all the way to me. the end. All yeah. the way to the end, you thought about it. It was. It was. It was when. <laughs> Excuse me. It's when the case was solved and father and daughter reunited that I went. There's no mom. Where's the mom? Single parent. Single parent. What am I doing? I cannot. Yeah. Like, and I well, had to write it down. That, in fact, that's that was what she said to convince Basil to help her. Was like, surely your mom knows where, she, where your father is. And she's like, I, my mom. I don't have him. And he's like, oh jeez. Yes. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, tro, tro, um, I guess the we, there was no reused animation, but there was reused of Trusty's howl for Toby the dog. That's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if if you want to tweet at us, like I mentioned, you can tweet at, at me, at TC's Big Head, at Jeff, at Random Bell. But hit up the comment section on Facebook, facebook.com slash Top Shelf Pod. I did get a comment that I thought was worth mentioning, which was, assuming every human has a rodent doppelganger, will there eventually be a rodent World War I? <gasps> Hmm. What would it be over though? I mean, like <laughs> that'd that be Rat be... Hitler. Oh, you know Rattler. what? Oh, you know, you know what it is? Oh, Rattler. Laugh oh, at me. Thank you. My God. <laughs> no. So what I was, what I was just, thinking, what I was just thinking about. You realize that you? Okay. So I want all the cheese in the world. I can't follow that up. Um, but honestly, TC, you you realize, okay, so what you're what you're what we're bringing up here is that if there is in fact a, a rat World War One, there would more than likely also be a rat World War Two, mm-hmm. which would be the book Mouse, the graphic novel. Oh, yeah, which was about a world where it was all mice and they were during World War Two. Have you seen <laughs> well, this book? <laughs> I, I uh, yes, I actually did a, studied it in my graphic novel co- course in college. We had to read it um, in high school. Yeah, it was depressing. You, it is well. It's about the Holocaust. It's about the How Holocaust. What do you expect? <laughs> but that means it's, that's it, what would happen. If, TC, I don't want this. Yeah, I don't want our guys to it, become. You, don't worry. It's not in the same. It, I don't think it. it <laughs> oh, it's so sad. If yeah. anyone wants to correct Jeff, I'll correct him real quick. It's not all mice in that book. There's cats, There's cats and, pi- too. and pigs. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's animals, I know. But just, just give me this much, okay? The book's called Mouse. <laughs> it's true. That's, that is it. It's a, an incredible graphic novel. Yes. Just super, 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 super sad, man. It's super sad and super serious. Don't read it if you don't want to be depressed forever. 
Well, I, I still am. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's talk about Fox and the Hound some more if you want. <laughs> uh, why was she take? Why did she take him out to the uh, woods? All right, all right, all right. I I think we've reached the end of this conversation. I'm curious to think so what the. Sad. I'm curious to hear what the <laughs> listeners have to say about the Grace Mouse Detective, where we ranked it, how we feel about it, what we missed. I I apologize if I went on too much about the whole behind the scenes stuff. I, I might have ate up too much time in the episode about that, but I thought I, th- having been reading the book recently, I think it's worth it's it's. I like it. <laughs> so in, all, in, in all fairness, though, like obviously, like uh, just speaking about that, I know based upon some of the comments we've gotten on our Facebooks, it seems like people are are enjoying when we kind of do those tangents like that, or when we a go little history lessons, about, yeah. a little history lessons. So I personally, excuse me, I'm dying over here. I personally am okay with it as long as everybody else out there <laughs> is enjoying. I I enjoy. I'm a trivia person. Hey, if y'all mm-hmm. y'all if any of you out there listen to the AFI podcast, you know Lindsay read a whole bunch of trivia. All the time. We did that for every episode. That's what we do. We like <laughs> trivia. We are trivia buffs. I will watch a movie and be on IMDb reading the trivia for that movie while watching the movie. That's what I do. I, I'm, I'm a trivia All right. nerd. So I think we're okay, TC. I enjoyed it. You actually teach me some things. That's why I look. That's why I listen yeah, to the podcast. I mean, yeah. I, I, the only reason I'm here is for you to teach me stuff about these movies. Oh, well, we... good. I, then my job is is going well. Yes, it's a good thing you're doing that all scripted and not improv like me. My yeah. my trivia would be terrible. We'd be like, this is a cartoon movie. So, Jeff, I'm curious. <laughs> have you seen next week's movie? Oliver and Company, you know what? No. Okay. I have Which no memory I'm surprised. of this movie. Do you have any information about who may have done the music for this movie? I just read who did the music for this There's movie. A bark- <laughs> okay, so a dog? next week, yeah, a dog barked right, and I said, um, "Yeah, so Billy Joel, <laughs> right?" How have I not seen this movie? <laughs> so next week we are watching the 1987, is 88, that right? 88, 88. Yes. Okay, 1988, Oliver and Company. Um, Jeff, is this streaming anywhere? I always say it's not in the new correction, so I'll just ask you up front. Can well, people access this movie anywhere? You know, and you asked me that, and I'm not prepared to give you the answer to that question this week. Oh, okay. Uh, so you actually, usually yes, wait it's, for it's me. On, it's, it's on Amazon Video for everybody who wants See, to know. The, beauty thing, a, the beautiful thing is, is that a lot of the movies, a lot of the Disney movies, especially what we're getting into now, almost mm-hmm. all of them are streaming, because I kind of started skipping a, skipping ahead a wee bit. Um, okay. A lot of them are streaming on uh, on Amazon, so stuff like uh, yeah, the rescuers down under, the Great Mouse Detective this week is, and even ones that we're not going to be watching that aren't part of our list, stuff like a Goofy movie and those, they're actually all because they're all part of the Disney Movies Anytime or Anywhere collection. Hmm. Uh, so you can rent, you can at least rent these movies for four bucks in HD on Amazon. Nice. So I do. Cool. If it, it's a really easy place to find them, definitely watch them. I will continue to check though every week. <laughs> And give you a confirmation if it is in fact you, there for you to watch. You'll you need me to at least mention that it's not streaming anywhere, so you have enough time to quickly look it up and prove me wrong. <laughs> and prove you wrong, because that's what I do, TC. <laughs> well, if anyone gives uh, Oliver and Company a watch, look for the post uh, before we record. So if you have Indeed. any questions or comments, you can toss them up in there. Um, if you're listening to this episode and want to comment on it, look for the thread. Like I said, Facebook.com Top Shelf Pod. And yeah, this this was fun. I'm I'm surprised we had so much more to talk about. But again, that might be because I tangented so much with the the history of of the studio at this point. But, but this is why I, people listen. This is what I, will yeah. make us the official podcast of Disney TC. In in defense of that, it's that behind the scenes stuff that that 
affects the films we get. Oh, yeah. And we, there's another Katzenberg story for next week, so <laughs> be prepared for that. <laughs> Yay! I can't wait for that. That's going to be exciting. So but, there we uh, go. That We've done it again, Jeff. Fantastic. Well, thank you, TC, for joining me with this podcast every week. Thank you, everybody mm-hmm. out there, for leaving the comments on the Facebook. Uh, we try to hit them. We try to respond as much as we possibly can. We do yes. try to bring them up during the episode. Sometimes we don't, and I apologize <laughs> if we don't bring up your comment, though I think this week we... More or less did. Uh, oh, yeah. you know what, Wyatt? We'll talk about uh, the sexy lady mouse section, the the the, <laughs> the cabaret scene. Completely forgot about that until just now. But it's too late, guys. We can't turn around. We can't go back. <laughs> this is a live medium. We cannot yes. do anything to fix yes. this. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, but yes, thank everybody for listening. Thank you guys for coming back every single week. We love talking with you. Mm-hmm, thank you, mm-hmm. TC, again. Yes. You're so awesome. No, oh, Jeff. I you. just want to give you a big hug, and we're in the same oh. state. We're not anywhere near each other. <laughs> Anyways, so TC, close. So close. With that, do the sign off, TC. I will, but first a quick plug for Top Shelf's Oscar oh! uh, Best Picture Showcase. Yes, the Best Picture uh, Oscar uh, just went up. <laughs> Just before we recorded, so I, I wanted to mention that it, it's up and available right now. Yes. So check out Lindsay and Colin. They watch they The Artist, it looks like. The Artist, yes. So with that said, I'm TC for Jeff Hi. across the state from me over there, for everyone listening over there saying thank you. And this right here, this is a sign-off. Yay! You know, it's going to be really sad when we get to the final episode because it'll be, this is the final sign-off. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Oh. But hey, you know what? We're Wait, what number are we on? We're on 26. We're going to we be halfway. Oh, We're, next shoot. week will be halfway. <laughs> next week, yeah. Next week will be, yeah, we'll be. Oh, actually, no, We've we have one. It. TC, we have just shy of halfway. There's 56 Good. total so, so far. So all this, all this, the bad math I just did, you yeah. totally cut the, cut this part. This Every, is totally cut, right? It's, it's all cut because I Good. do so much editing during an episode. Whew. I'd hate to have embarrassed myself with terrible <laughs> I math. I would never embarrass you with, with terrible math, TC. Everybody laugh at him in the comments section. Okay. Bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Credits are rolling right now. (laughs) This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at (laughs) www.ghosthat.net. I like the ending.